0: Welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we will be covering Murder Murder Among the Mormons. Murder Among the Mormons. Another absolutely bonkers story.
1: It is literally like a Shyamalan ding dong like twist. Like just like left and right.
0: It premiered on Netflix on March 3rd, 2021 and was originally supposed to be six episodes until Netflix and BBC Studios joined the project, which was a great move because three episodes feels like perfect length for this. Yeah. It was directed by Jared Hess, who you may recognize as the director and one of the writers of Napoleon Dynamite.
1: Which is maybe why this is such <laughs> a comedy while also a drama.
0: And Tyler Meesom. So right off the bat, neither one of us is very religious. <laughs> no. No. I've been to church twice in my life. I have been once. It was once when my sister and I were little and wanted to know what this church thing was. And another time when I fucked up and spent the night at a friend's house on Easter weekend and had to go.
1: <laughs> mine is <laughs> mine is literally just when I fucked up and slept over at a friend's who mm-hmm. was really religious and had to go. In fact, I'm probably sure you know this friend. They were like super religious and Yeah. No, I totally got, like, suckered into going to church, and, like, I just remember, like, the whole, like, church experience and, like, being traumatized by it, even though, like, it's my only time going. And then we got KFC after.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Worth it. So, my knowledge is very minimal with any religion, especially Um, with, like, the Mormon LDS. I
1: I will say that I know more about the Mormons just because of, um... Like,
0: cult cult <laughs> podcast episode. podcast yes last so podcast cult, did like a five-part series yeah.
1: on it. full disclosure i kind of feel like all religions are yes. cults um which you know a lot of people in my life are you know appalled by but anyway um i know a little bit more about mormons than i do most churches just because of the um god what was the what was the they just did a podcast about it too recently. The guy who murders his wife, but like he can't be charged with it. Then he kills the two kids. Fuck! What is I'm vaguely Susan? Why do I want to say
0: Susan? I just want to say Susan Smith, but she killed her kids. No, she killed her kids. my babies. <laughs> We've clips of that. I just want you to bring my boys home. I am gonna have to Google
1: <laughs> because. Josh Powell, that's what it was. Yes, 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 yes. Susan Powell and Josh Powell. He wasn't Powell.
0: even like he was kind of like this guy like Yeah. This uses the Mormon Church for
1: his own like, gain. Yeah. Exactly. But Susan was very Mormon yes. and like so yeah. So I know I know a bit about like the Mormon Church just because of Susan Powell and like that whole case. And that if you haven't watched that podcast or sorry, if you haven't listen. listened to that podcast. I, I listened to the
0: book too. The podcast
1: fucking amazing. All of Isn't his like it in cold recordings, or something like that. yeah, something it was cold. like in cold blood, like something. No, not in cold blood. In cold blood not in cold blood. Um, it was called cold. That's what it was. was. it just cold. I think it was just cold. Um, phenomenal podcast, yeah, cool. though.
0: Also, the book was good.
1: Um, but like they have like recordings from like his dad, and they're fucking oh batshit crazy. So if you haven't heard that, definitely listen to that podcast. <laughs> um. But like I know a little bit about like the Mormon church because of that and because I like used to follow like a web blogger who was like an ex Mormon church member and then I, I I don't know, I feel like if like of all the churches, like the Mormons are even like more culty. Yeah. So I definitely am just kind of like aware and I'm like watching and it's I'm like just Scientology
0: like, definitely a cult, but there's also space and sci-fi
1: exactly exactly
0: like money grab for also
1: also if you have not seen book of mormon we're getting tickets yeah you haven't oh my god so i went to see that with my friend um david who's probably totally cool with being on the podcast name dropped (laughs) but um yeah no we totally went to see the book of mormon and it is like literally like i have like the whole on my Spotify playlist because like the songs are just fucking amazing.
0: God, we're so off topic. We exactly. We never do this. We never do this. We've been just talking for 20 minutes. So but it's I mean, also because
1: this is the second episode in one night and, and we are tanked. Yeah, we went through Or that. I am because I actually we drank it. We went
0: through a, that bottle pretty, I, I got a little bit, but it's just if I get thirsty.
1: I may have drank another bottle in the car.
0: <laughs> you know what? You
1: earned it. I earned
0: it. <laughs> so anyway so, I'm aware of who Joseph Smith is and in this they get into like Mormon artifacts and I'm just like, Yeah, sure, that sounds right, I guess. Yeah, I like whatever, Mormon <laughs> artifacts. That's that's legit. I know about him finding
1: the plates moroni I was, and moroni
0: yeah, and Yeah,
1: Moroni, like which is just like so Star Trek sounding <laughs> like
0: Especially the clip they show yeah. from like some movie. It's yeah, so it's, weird. Like, all the, like, Mormon church
1: videos are just, like, so weird. The whole premise is so weird.
0: All of religion is. Why is Jesus white all of a sudden? Anyway, <laughs> like, so. Moroni. But yes. The story in this documentary is largely based around Mormon artifacts and lost treasures. I was surprised that it's a newer religion. Yeah, it's not that old. Um, don't get me wrong. It's definitely not Nick Cage and National Treasure, mm-hmm. but it's still interesting salt lake city utah in 1980 five years before the bombing there's bombings (laughs) we'll get into that we get a quick lesson about the mormon church and how salt lake city and utah in general became a haven. it is literally just mormons yeah we get to meet shannon flynn a lot in this so you'll become very familiar with them i love shannon flynn there's some secrets he's keeping you can tell he doesn't really want to get too much into stuff that makes him look bad. No, exactly. He has a hard-to-miss voice and looks like he could have been a bank owner in an old Western. Yeah. Which is another reason but why I love it's Shannon in modern Flynn. times. I, this is like his attire, his yeah. voice, everything about it. I'm just he like... He kind of talks like this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Shannon Flynn is my man. <laughs> he's a rare documents dealer and he talks about his first meeting with Mark Hoffman as a young, as young guys. Mark is the main subject of this film series and he's known as a legend in the rare artifact world and this college age, Indiana, Joan wannabes find the earliest known Mormon document written by Joseph Smith. It's supposedly a copy of his translation key from the gold plates and signed by Joseph Smith. It's very intricate. Like, the Zodiac Killer has nothing on this guy. With no. <laughs> the symbols. Yeah. It's like a whole decipher. <laughs> yeah. Mark supposedly bought an old Bible from a guy in Salt Lake that contained this letter. And don't worry. Mark said the guy bought the Bible from the granddaughter of Joseph Smith's sister. So it's definitely legit. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds right. It seems weird the family would have a Bible in their possession all these years. But whatever. Uh, Mark buys this Bible and brings it home to show his wife. They're flipping through it, and some pages are stuck together with, quote, gum. Yeah, his wife is like, oh, honey, these are, like, stuck together. And just, like, she... Again, some questions should be asked, but we just brush those off. Yeah, like like he said, some people just don't want to know. They get the pages unstuck, and lo and behold, there's a folded piece of paper, or the Anthon transcript. Isn't that what it was called? Anthon? Anth- I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, they had such weird names for the documents. Even, like, my 11-year-old was just like, why'd they name it There's that? There's
0: one later that they don't pronounce it like it's spelled. It really annoyed me. She was we'll like, get the salamander documents? <laughs> what so after hell? finding this, he jumps into this documenting document collecting world feed first. We also learn about a little thing called celestial pursuit, which is trivial pursuit for Mormons
1: i didn't even know that was a thing I until didn't. i found out it about sounds
0: it fucking boring. and i'm
1: totally getting it for us <laughs> for God, christmas
0: so boring december twenty seventh, 1983 mark presents shannon with a new document he's found which will be later called the white salamander letter that was originally in the box where the infamous gold plates were yeah so weird so this letter is apparently dangerous to the Mormon church and completely un- and upends their origins. The letter was from Martin Harris, who was an important man in early Mormonism. And it said that Joseph Smith had told him that Joseph was led to the golden plates by a white salamander, which is super wild. <laughs> and I love the dude telling us this. He really emphasizes the H in white. He says white, white, <laughs> That annoyed me. It was the white White. set. The white salamander. So, this letter contradicts the church's version of how Joseph found the plates, which was an angel named Moroni. Moroni. So, now it just sounds like Joseph was high as fuck and hallucinated (laughs) a weird lizard.
1: He was tripping, okay? (laughs) LSD was a thing. We've all been there. I've seen some shit, okay?
0: (laughs) The church is known for sort of keeping documents like this from the public because it's embarrassing for them. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) So Mark decides to sell it to this collector for $40,000 after it's been authenticated, which seems like a small amount for something this powerful that could upend a religion. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the religion being based on angels, now it's magic. (laughs) And this dude turns around and donates the letter to the church. So, the church comes down as basically like, okay, it may be authenticated, but that doesn't mean it's not a forgery from that time period. Exactly. (laughs) So, covering their asses. It's a thing. Mark was smart enough to get pictures taken of the letter, so those are released to the public. The church can't just act like it doesn't exist. August 1985, Alvin Rust is approached by Mark and is told there's a huge collection of Mormon documents in New York, but Mark needs $185,000 to be able to buy it. Full
1: disclosure, if you ever asked me for that kind of money, I'd just be like, I love you so much. I don't, I, I wouldn't even ask you for 185 dollars
0: let alone $185,000. I,
1: I would give you 185 dollars I would. I wouldn't
0: even ask it though.
1: I would be like, I love you so much. 185, yes. But 185,000, I'd be like, I'm sorry. Who the fuck do you think I am?
0: Sell your house if you want that. Yeah. And Alvin's like, cool, no problem. I got credit with the bank, and I'll just let you know. Everyone has credit with the bank. $185,000, no problem. It's insane. So these documents become known as it's the It's the fucking 80s. Okay, it's spelled McClellan, but they keep saying McClellan, and it's. It bothers it me. It bothered me. <laughs> it bothers me too. And in this, there's a letter that's even more devastating than the white salamander. A letter written by Joseph Smith, Smith's wife that states it was Joseph's older brother, not him, that witnessed Moroni and Shock found the plates. and awe. The religion is still true,
1: <laughs> but it was a different discoverer. That's
0: so dumb. It seems strange that these two huge devastating things that no one's ever heard even the slightest hint of were found. Or discovered by the, same, by the same guy. Yeah. Well, whatever. So the church found out about these documents and offered Mark $300,000 for them. Which, like, come on.
1: That's real lowballing.
0: I know. You're a church. You have way more than that.
1: <laughs> like, you're like the entire state of Utah. You it's, have way more money than that. It's kind of funny
0: we're recording this after. Did you hear what happened to that Joel Olstein at his church? <laughs> There a robbery of $600,000 that a plumber just found it in a wall. <laughs> I don't think robbers are going to bust down a wall, stash all this money there, tile it back up. Anyway. Okay. It's an inside job. <laughs> Fast forward to October 15th, 1985 at 8.15 a.m. You know it's bad when there's time. A bomb goes off in the Judge Building, which is a commercial office building in downtown Southlake city and which is a badass name for a building judge building yeah i was like what is this building i looked it up and it's like oh it's just commercial office space i thought it was like i thought it was like a courthouse type thing <laughs> just an office space it's named after a woman who wanted it to build like
1: how progressive is that though that they named it after a woman uh, she bought it. They didn't name it after <laughs> okay. her.
0: She bought it. Her husband was dead, so. She's like, like,
1: fuck you guys. I'm
0: going to name this shit after myself. If her myself. husband was still alive, they would have named been it like, after him, even though she made it Mr. Or. Judge. Yeah. <laughs> There's a report of one death, a man named Stephen Christensen, who had been working with Mark Hoffman to sell the McClellan collection of the church. He had just arrived to work and went to pick up a package in the doorway of his office when the bomb went off. They don't mention it in this, but there's also a secretary that was injured by shrapnel.
1: Yeah, she was literally crying. Like, she, like, encountered the bomb. Doesn't get brought
0: up at all.
1: She's, (laughs) again, women. Yes. We suck. (laughs) No one needs to talk about this.
0: 9-28, that same morning, another explosion is reported in Holiday, Utah, which I guess is a suburb of Salt Lake City. (laughs) We're going to go off topic a little bit. Our next time. Notable people from this include Mitt Mitt Romney and anthropologist, magician, mentalist Paul W. Draper, which, of course, led me down a rabbit hole. During the pandemic, he started offering online magic shows for, like, friends or family groups over Zoom. You can pay this guy to give you guys a magic show. I really wish his website, yeah, there's a website. Wish it listed pricing because I definitely wasn't gonna spend the time to call and ask.
1: No. <laughs> Which newsflash, guys? If you have a business, put your fri- like put your pricing on the business webpage,
0: like so that you don't have to have people call and ask. Not even a, like an exact, but like between this and this, I'm fine exactly. With.
1: Give me a rough estimate of how much I'm gonna have to spend. I
0: don't like talking on the phone. Why am I gonna spend my time? Oh, on I the do- call, I literally
1: I am not going to call you. I am going to <laughs> message you like on text or, like, Facebook Messenger or, or whatever I can. <laughs> In fact, like, husband. with my own job, I will avoid calling you by, like, Googling as much as I can to find out about <laughs> you. Like, it's not happening.
0: But his website does offer free coloring pages for the kids.
1: Oh, how
0: <laughs> how fancy. so random.
1: We're going to have to get a couple and of And this those. dude
0: definitely looks like a magician, so. He's Paul W. Like- Draper, look him up. So back to this, both bombs were triggered by an electrical timing device and were the work of professional assassins. What the fuck does that mean? So I guess because they work correctly. Newsflash:
1: Anyone can make a bomb.
0: Yeah, I guess if they work correctly, so it's not some asshole teenagers fucking around. I
1: feel like my eleven-year-old could figure out how to make a bomb.
0: Like yeah, it's, it's not that hard. It's like pretty like out there. <laughs> With the second bomb, the victim is Kathy Sheets unfortunate name who was the wife of one of steve christensen's (laughs) former business associates so clearly she's not the target no her husband yeah but these two bombings are connected so the police come forward and tell the public they're looking into business dealings with christensen and sheets which include the salamander letter so now people dealing with the buying and trading of these Mormon documents are, like, flipping out. Yeah,
1: they're like, oh, my God, we're all in danger.
0: I was shocked they weren't, like, Satanist.
1: <laughs> they probably were under their breaths, just to relocate.
0: <laughs> they show the crime scene at the judge building, and Jesus Christ, what was the point of putting up those little number tents? Because they just covered the floor. Exactly. It was just fucking everywhere. <laughs> It blasted the office door off the hinges and ripped a hole through Christensen's chest.
1: Yeah, it was fucking barbaric. It's just
0: not flimsy little bombs. They're made to kill. So yeah, while they're investigating this scene is when they get word about the other bombing at the Sheets home. October 16th, 1985, the day after the bombings, at 2.18pm, there is reports of a car exploding and the victim is Mark Hoffman. Same fellow we've been talking about. He was in his car when a bomb placed under a seat or his seat. I don't remember. Yeah, it was. It went off and they found the McClellan collection in his car. And even crazier, he's still alive. What? That seems mysterious. Which is shocking when you see what's left of the car, though.
1: Yeah, it it was. It was it was like shit was like blown everywhere. It yeah. was just like trash bags full of like historical documents, apparently, supposedly. No, you anyone know.
0: involved with these people are sending their wives and kids out of town and having bomb sniffing dogs going through their cars and homes. It's serious. Yeah, everyone
1: is on high alert because they're like, you're an
0: associate, you're in danger. So we go into Mark's life a little. His parents were very devout Mormons to the point that later on, His parents became upset with him when they saw Mark's children had dinosaur books, which of course promotes evolution, so my youngest wouldn't get along with these people at all. Oh, like, (laughs) we're fucking heathens, Heather. (laughs) Mark was born in 1954 in Salt Lake City to Lucille and William Hoffman, raised in the LDS church, and he became a Boy Scout. He was a below average high school student, (laughs) glad they mentioned this. Typical thing for young men in the church is for them to volunteer as missionaries, and in 1973, he sent to Bristol, England. He later told people that he lost his faith and became an atheist at around 14, so it's weird for him to still stay in the church and go on missions. Yeah, it's just, it's a good business opportunity? (laughs) I I don't know. After he returns from his mission, he enrolled as pre-med major at Utah State University. In 1979, he married Dorley Olds, who goes by Dory, and they eventually have four kids. He seems like the kind of guy who does this overachieving stuff to, like, impress his parents, which I'll never understand. Yeah, fuck him. When he's in England, <laughs> sorry, you don't live with them, it's fine i don't think they listen to this no they don't <laughs> fuck them it's like my aunt said you cuss too much and i was like you sure you don't have our voices mixed up no it's definitely <laughs> your friend
1: <laughs> my friend cusses too much I listen it's to it, but not
0: your friend says a lot of bad words <laughs> so i'm pretty sure that's me but okay it's definitely me <laughs> i say the f word a little too much yes. and i'm sorry so when he's in england he's telling his parents he's converting all these people which meanwhile he doesn't believe in the religion and he's spending time just hanging so out weird. in stores yeah and finding material that goes against the church october 19 19 october 19th 1985 three days after the bombings the cops have basically taken over a conference room and turned it into their war room and a in this, war a in this seems to like love playing with camcorders. <laughs> I've noticed what that a as Very well. '80s thing.
1: Like, what what did she say? Like, it was a very yuppie thing to do. Yeah.
0: Like, the, now we're all yuppies. Yeah. The first pers- person they bring in to interview is Brent Metcalf, who is connected with Mark Christiansen and Sheets. He seems to be in there quite a bit. To the point, I think they played a clip from interview tape thirteen. They also bring in Al Russ, and since he was involved with the McClellan collection, and what is the weird talk show they keep showing clips of? I feel like it's a Mormon talk show. She's—it's no, definitely she's not. No, Sally Jesse Raphael.
1: It is definitely not the Jenny Jones show. No. <laughs> uh,
0: another person they keep bringing in is Shanna Flynn, the old-timey bank owner, because he has no connection to the church but he's friends with mark
1: see and that's what i'm confused by because like i was like is he mormon is he not mormon like
0: i thought he said later on he was mormon i don't know i don't know i couldn't figure it out but i love him i guess the old west time that he's from the mormon church didn't exist He says he's only about 150 years old (laughs) He says he might have seen Mark the day before the bombing, but then he has a weird twitch attack. So his believability goes down a little for me.
1: Yeah, he's, he definitely he has some things, like, he has some situations. It's not I...
0: John Wayne Bobbit, like, Bleh, but... yeah. So Brent lets us know that Shannon and Mark were very close, and also Shannon is into shoulder of, Soldier of Fortune and really good with a butterfly knife. I <laughs> oh my how that was you wouldn't think that seeing him
1: <laughs> like, like how is that even like
0: that's a trait i guess it's good the with a butterfly. of the
1: old times <laughs> i just remember giving my 11 year old a pocket knife like 2 years ago for christmas and like within 5 minutes of opening it there was blood everywhere <laughs>
0: But she was into Boy Scouts. It's not like you're just yeah. buying her. No, I didn't buy her. Reason. And
1: I, she was in Boy Scouts. And reason. it was, yeah, there was a reason. But she immediately, like, fucking blood everywhere. And in I'm fairness,
0: good. I feel like either one of us would do the same thing. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon talks about how Mark had a Toyo- Toyota MR2 because he wanted a fast car. I like that little cutscene that they It pisses me off. Like, a dude with four kids wants to own a sports... Or a two-seater car. His
1: wife was like, we needed a minivan. So we went to get a minivan. And he was like, I like this sports car. So we walk out with a minivan and a sports car. Fucker, you can't fit those kids in that fucking car. it's a two-seater. No, I remember, like, being married and, like, my husband had, like, one of the... Like, he had, like, a fucking Acura. Like, just, like, the little two, like two-door, and like, do you know how fucking hard it is to put a baby car seat in a two-door car? Yeah,
0: we started dating. He had that Mustang yes and it was impossible to get a car seat in you can't fucking once, put a baby car seat in there we moved in together he snuck to the dealership and came back with a full uh, yeah four door and it was like oh thank god yeah seriously <laughs> like don't fucking come at me
1: without a two-door bullshit <laughs> yeah. like i am not Cause with moving that, a seat forward and climbing through to put a baby that, in a car seat
0: we had the car seat in the back and i would be up in the dash like, exactly. Yes. I was like, "Oh my god! If you rear end somebody, like we're I'm
1: gonna fucked. die." Yes, I feel you. We were gonna die. We were gonna <laughs> solidarity. We were going to die in that situation. So yeah, fuck the two door. If you are a family man, don't ever get a fucking yeah, two door. Like, why do
0: you get to have this fun car when she has to tote around a van? And a fucking
1: minivan. And back in the eighties, <laughs> the minivans in the eighties. they were not mini. Those like Ford Aerostars. Like, oh my god, god. They were so huge
0: anyway uh then mark gives shannon money to buy your favorite part an uzi yes i distinctly remember texting you and i was like oh my god this is the reenactments throughout yes
1: it was literally like that i think is where the napoleon dynamite like Mm -hmm. dynamic comes in because it literally like them like rolling up in this like fucking like sports car. Yeah. And like they like come doing out. Donuts in the <laughs> desert. Doing donuts in the desert. They're like high fiving and like holding like handing over like the fucking like like bullet like for the fucking uzi and he's like shooting out an uzi all cool. Like you can't see <laughs> what I'm doing. But like <laughs> he's, he's like just like
0: burning in here.
1: Exactly. It's like very like like super fucking cool. And it's like two Mormon guys.
0: Who were like fat <laughs>
1: Fucking nerdy and fat. Yeah. In a desert in Utah, (laughs) fucking firing an Uzi. But, like, seriously, if you watch that scene, you can't not laugh.
0: Yeah, it's just two portly dudes driving around Utah in this blue sports car, firing off an Uzi in the desert. Mark just sounds like a douche. (laughs) He really is. Needless to say, Shannon is the first arrest in this case and is charged with possessing an unregistered firearm. (laughs) Big surprise! <laughs> they also Uzi. found a copy of the anarchist cookbook, which that's that's not that. Who big doesn't of a deal. have that? Yeah. I mean,
1: I don't have that, but like, who doesn't have that? I've read it. It's yeah. not that
0: big of a deal. But I mean, it does involve bombing, so again, I'm and, sure my know, satanic panic during that time, everything yeah, was horrible.
1: I'm sure my 11 year old could figure that on the I internet. Found out so
0: many people who had printed copies. But with Shannon, they find no other evidence of him building bombs or bomb materials. So he's kind of just let off the hook.
1: I like how they're loading him in like the police van or whatever it is. And he's just like, he just smiles and he's like, I mean, I don't know. Like,
0: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out planning a bomb at an office building, not a smart idea. No. There's a witness at the judge building when Christian. This is even before security killed. cameras. The witness couldn't ID the guy, but reported him as being clean cut and had on what looked like a green high school athletic jacket. And guess who's known for wearing such a jacket? Da-da-da! Mark fucking Hoffman.
1: Big surprise. So it's really
0: not that shocking because they took the time to give a backstory on Mark for a reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, it's pretty clear Mark's Obviously, up to some involved. shady shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they get a search word on his house. They don't find anything to do with the bombs at his house, but they do find that green jacket.
1: And they're just like, oh, he could have got it from a threshore or like
0: any of this, like the school in the area, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, mm. <clears throat> he's still their only suspect and they don't have a motive. So they decide to look through his business dealings. New York City, 1984, Mark is doing his trading with Justin Schiller, who's a gallery owner. With this guy, Mark is focusing more on Americana items and claims he found a printed copy of the Oath of a Freedman. So that's when we slide over to Wikipedia for a little history lesson. The Oath of a Freedman was a loyalty pledge required of all new members of the Massachusetts Bay Company in the 1630s. The oath was a vow of obedience to the company's government and a promise not to conspire against it. Previous examples of oaths in England pledged loyalty to the crown. So this is the first one. Doesn't have anything about the crown. Yeah, it's just like a whole new experience. Very uniquely American. The earliest version of the oath was handwritten by Massachusetts Bay Governor John Winthrop in 1631. Governor Winthrop stated in his diary that the oath was the first thing printed by Stephen Day in 1638 or 1639, Stephen Day was an English locksmith who sailed to Boston in 1638 with a Puritan cleric who somehow smuggled a printing press on board of a ship?
1: Yeah, like, not I mean... They're
0: tiny. How do you... I don't know. I'm sitting here
1: trying to figure out how to get, like, my kid's Christmas present from Santa <laughs> on an airplane. Like, this dude's bringing a whole goddamn printing press.
0: <laughs> so after the cleric and his printer died at sea, Day and his sons took possession of the press and set up Cambridge Press, the first print printing company in america in boston before 1638 all printed materials in america were produced in england and shipped across the atlantic the earliest known american imprint that had been found prior to 1685 was bay psalm book which day printed in 1640 day's printing of the oath had not been reported as seen since 1647 that's a long fucking time big deal to find this document yeah like it's fucking huge So the oath has been reprinted, obviously, otherwise how would we know about it? But the original sheet of paper has never been found. Until now. Maybe. So he comes to New York to visit Justin. Justin says, the paper feels right and the typing looks correct, but he's just going to send it off for testing just to be sure. And if this thing is legit, Mark and Jess are going to team up together and sell it for $1.5 million.
1: And I like how the guy's like, I just expected like 5 or 10%, but he offered me 50%. Yeah. We were going to be business partners. And I'm like, that doesn't sound sketchy to you. No, 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 of course.
0: $1.5 you get half? i mm, do so be suspect. While Mark is in New York, he's just fucking partying his ass off.
1: I love Shannon's depiction of this when yeah. he's like... You know, because like, Mormons are not allowed to drink alcohol. Yes. It's against their religious beliefs. And they're like, he's like, he claimed that he couldn't get drunk, which is just not possible. Which I've known people who have been like, oh, I just like, it takes a lot for me to get drunk. And I'm like, mm, you think that, but like, that's not actually accurate. You're just like an annoying drunk. Um, but he's like, yeah,
0: you know, he's just ordering all these like, doubles straight up and yeah shannon talks about how mark drank 16 doubles which i was like bro just fucking buy the bottle (laughs) what is the point skip the bar
1: go back to the hotel room with your fucking bottle of vodka and just drink that bottle straight like it's gonna be way cheaper so much cheaper and then he's like in new york oh my god just (laughs) outrageous like fucking insane and he's like we had him get up and like walk around the table and he was totally fine and i'm just like
0: but was he (laughs) was he really were you guys drunk because then yeah it would look like he's walking straight
1: yeah i just uh, he's maybe just really good at covering but then also he's like when he gets back to the hotel room he he just just like yeah yeah. he's like he puked his guts out
0: so he tries to pass himself off as the super successful good boy mormon who's just barely getting by financially and just parties as soon as he's away from home which is weird he claims to have <clears throat> he claims to have all these documents that are worth a ton of money but they're basically worthless if you can't sell them and yet he's still spending money yeah and he's got four kids at home yeah with his little minivan his lawyer saying he has no motive for these murders he couldn't have done it for financial gains because he has this document that's worth 1.5 million which again means nothing if you can't sell it yeah it has to be verified bro anyway the cops are going through the stuff they took from mark's house and it's just a huge pile of junk but they do find a piece of paper that has a business on it called cox and clark engraving which is a (laughs) tough (laughs) name it looked like a purchase order made out to a guy named mike hansen in colorado why would you keep
1: that shit in your office so
0: of course the cops are like okay why would he have this Let's call him. So, yeah, the cops call the business and pose as Mike Hansen, which I think is genius, and request an invoice. And it looks like whoever Mike Hansen is ordered metal plates for currency printing. Perhaps for the kind of thing Mark might be dealing in? So weird. But he's a nice Mormon boy. There's no way he He could be dealing with forgery. But ding, 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 we've got motive. So once this comes out, the church is like, How about we send that salamander letter and all this other stuff to the FBI to get tested? (laughs) Ha ha, salamander letter. And let's bring in your favorite guy. My
1: absolute (laughs) favorite guy. I love this
0: man. George J. Throckmorton. He's adorable. His family runs his Twitter account. And apparently he has a son that followed in his footsteps and is a trained document examiner. How old
1: is his son? Can I marry him?
0: I mean, you can marry whoever you want.
1: I mean, I just I I like older dudes, but I don't know that I like grandpa older dudes. I mean, like I would have married Alan (laughs) Rickman. Actually, you know what? Philip Seymour Hoffman too. Fuck, you know what? After
0: watching Twister,
1: I would have married a grandpa. So you know what? It's fine. I don't to
0: Salt Lake City. Oh shit, that's where his son lives.
1: And they don't—they're like really strict about their
0: their booze. So I don't know. I mean, not that Texas isn't strict about their booze, but. (laughs) You well, should get abortion there. So let's start off with his amazing introduction. The reason I got into forensic sciences, I don't deal with people and I disassociate myself as much as possible. The one, Same. Thing, <laughs> the one thing I've always done is if an attorney hands me a document and tells me it's genuine, I go about the examination trying to prove that it's not. If somebody tells me a document is forged, I go about my examination trying to prove it's genuine. So
1: love he's, he's this great.
0: man. I love him so much. So all these people have said the salamander letter is legit, but George is like, nah, bro. Who are are you? A document examiner? Oh, you're not? You're just a historian? Oh, (laughs) fuck you, man. I got this. Leave this work to good old George (laughs) Throckmorton. I just love the name Throckmorton. I say I need to marry this man. And he's so smart. He's also a Mormon, so he worries that someone might look at this case and think he might be biased. So he brings in William Flynn, who identifies as a non-practicing Catholic.
1: I identify as a non-practicing anything. I wish I anything. could have been in the
0: room with the two of them. <laughs> December 1985, two months after the bombing, the Oath and Salamander letters are proven to be authentic. George, George has other feelings about these conclusions, though. He feels the testing wasn't deep enough. He noticed weird cracking in the ink. The best way to describe it—it's if you've ever seen like seri- severe psoriasis. Oh that yeah, kind of reminded me. Yeah. Of, So, some of the ink is doing this weird cracking thing, and other times it's not. So, then they figure out that documents with the cracking were documents that had been handled by Mark. And the other documents had been in possession of the church since before Mark was even born. Suspish. Yeah. So, they next start to look into other printing places that might have been visited by Mike Hansen, and they find two. Utah Engraving and... DeBozic printing and DeBozik had an order from a customer named Mike Henson who ordered a plate for the oath so weird how it's the exact document this man is selling and he's such a fucking idiot he was two dollars short when he went to pay for the plate and had how? to write a personal check to how cover the rest of the bill
1: the fuck do you not scrounge up the last two dollars for something that you are fucking forging yeah
0: you can't be like, oh, hold on. I'll go find, like, a payphone and look for coins on the ground around it. <laughs> I'm like,
1: i going to go stand in a street corner and bump two bucks from this yeah. fucking,
0: like, car or whatever. So, yeah. Two dollars. Two dollars. You wrote a check for two dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's proof. Mark Hoffman. Order the plates. He's an idiot. So we start off this third episode with Mark in handcuffs, being led into jail. They play a clip of his interrogation and can we talk about his voice? I thought it was a woman. It's a vo- The voice doesn't match the face. No, it doesn't. Like, I thought he it was has, a woman. He has this high-pitched voice that I'm a little jealous of. The cops ask when he first decided to kill people and Mark is basically like, the day I bought the bomb supplies. Like, no shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's just like... <laughs> January 23rd, 1987, I think the most surprising thing happens. Mark actually pleads guilty. He's not only charged with two murders, but two counts of forgery, and also New York is charging him for possession of an unregistered machine gun. Man, that Uziwagi every time. <laughs> he just seemed like such a cocky guy. You'd think he would have taken this all the way through trial, even though death sentence is on the table. He's such an asshole. Like, he's pretending to, like, video record his son but you can clearly hear the news report on the tv like he doesn't care about recording his son he's just trying to record that yeah so he could have possession of that he clearly loves the media attention and thinking he could get away with all this uh so the two murder charges and the two forgery charges he would yeah so he takes the plea deal and he's Sentenced for the two murder charges and two forgery charges, and he's sentenced to five years to life. Which that sentence sounds stupid. Yeah, five years to life. It's like, like that bullshit of we'll have a technician over there between eight AM and six PM. Like <laughs> it's like that's a whole goddamn yeah. work day. Let's <laughs> beat somewhere in the middle. So then we go into this weird childhood story about Mark, which just shows he's always been an asshole scammer his whole life. He and his buddies would go digging. The guy doesn't say what for. Treasure. I mean, it was before the internet. You needed something to do. Yeah, but what kind of treasure? Just treasure. Just finding bullshit (laughs) in the ground. They were going on a treasure hunt for whatever the fuck they could find in, like, the 50s in the ground. So they find nothing until Mark just digs up a jar of coins. But to be fair, I remember digging in our backyard as kids and we found a spoon. (laughs) So, you know what? Um... In any day now, when my parents move out of their
1: house, dig out my backyard, you will find plenty of my dead pets and also a Stretch Armstrong.
0: But a spoon. (laughs) And it didn't match to any of our spoons, so it was not one of our spoons. I know you're thinking that. Dead pets, Stretch
1: Armstrong.
0: (laughs) So it turns out he knew where they were going to be digging. So the night before, he buried the jars so he could look cool to his friends just finding this random treasure at 14 he discovered electroplating which is impressive so he could change coins and even fool the the treasury department at one time which just shows that the government being lazy isn't anything new no what i say? this is a real cool kid (laughs) yeah dory talking about how people ask how she couldn't have known is so stupid like we've seen wives of serial killers being shot by their husband's arrest, so I don't know how this trusting religious woman is supposed to know her husband's built an entire career on being a liar.
1: Exactly, and he had, like, a whole secret room that she wasn't allowed to go in, and it was just, she's like... She's got
0: all these kids she's trying to keep alive. <laughs> four fucking kids. That she's is... a little busy. Guys,
1: that is twice as many kids as Heather and I have, and, like, we're fucking hands full
0: <laughs> 24-7. Like, you
1: yeah. give me four kids, and I'm, like, quitting my job,
0: and, like, <laughs> it's fucking on. Not to mention he had apparently had a private room that he locked. If your partner has a room in the house that you're not allowed in, you need to leave. There's either going to be pictures of dead women, naked kids, or apparently a science lab used for forging documents. <laughs> Any of those are criminal offenses. Yeah, he even told her at one point that a document was fake and when she flipped out rightfully, he suddenly changed his tune about it. And he was like, like "Oh, I'm just oh kidding. she's not down with this." <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, "I'm just kidding." Like That is also a red flag, ladies. (laughs) And yet, it's shocking that no one caught on this at all. He always just happened to have the document that you wanted. Like, he's not just producing stuff out of thin air. Most of this was someone would tell him they were looking for a specific thing. And he'd be like, by golly, I have that. I just happen to have that. Nobody asking any questions. (laughs) Not to mention he keeps finding stuff that makes the Mormon church look bad. Like... Because he hates the church. He obviously has some weird vendetta against it. He's using this religion to pass himself off as this good guy who's trustworthy, and yet he's changing the history to make himself feel better. I don't get it. If it was about the money, he could have just produced any documents, but he goes out of his way to make a story about, like, the salamander to shake up the church. Didn't he say he was going to make it, like, just a toad? Yeah, he was like, I "I I considered.
1: He's like, I considered doing a toad, but I wanted to, like, make it a little out there.
0: So, I don't want to go into all the science shit about how he managed to make these documents. No, because it was extensive. I did not fare well in science class. And also, like, how he would speed up the aging process. Like, if you haven't seen this documentary yet... Like, get on definitely it definitely watch it it's insane like i said
1: four times i've watched this four times i try to get my 11 year old to watch this
0: <laughs> which is saying so... give a fuck about documents mom <laughs> she's like so, what the hell are mormons like literally one of the things he did was just to run a vacuum against the back of the document to pull the ink like it's so weird he had like a fish tank set up. like this man is like extensive yeah fucking fortress. for a below average student like he knows science He's clearly a smart guy, but had to go and be an asshole. And poor Al Rust ended up screwed after the McClellan collection shit. He lent all that money to Mark to buy it and ended up having to sell his entire collection when he never got any money back. No, he fucking got fucked over. Yeah. They go into why exactly he did this. He's basically doing this ponzi scheme and buying and trading and creating documents and was making like six figures a year but just blowing all of this money so this mcclellan collection and the oath were supposed to somehow get him out of the clear even though you know he's just gonna end up fucked again
1: yeah like the are in trouble you're always in trouble yeah
0: the pressure was really on for him to come up with the mcclellan documents but it was such a huge amount of documents he couldn't create them in time no, and so he was like <laughs> panicked, and he's like, "What the fuck am I gonna do?" But yet he has time to create bombs and to drive in the someone. desert to test them. I don't, I don't get it. He just wasn't working hard enough. He just needed to put in some <laughs> overtime. And then he said he uh, he said that the one that killed Kathy Sheets was supposed to be a diversion. It wasn't supposed to go off. I like how he said. Actually,
1: when I say I like how he said, I mean I am appalled by how he said that. Like it could have been. Him or a kid or her or a dog he didn't care like this man is a fucking monster
0: he said it was a 50 50 chance and that parole board member that was a parole board member that was talking to him that woman like she was amazing in her response she was like so you know how to forge all these documents and build bombs and yet you couldn't figure out how to build a bomb and it sure wouldn't go off yeah, you're a douchebag. Yeah, no, he knew it was going to fucking... You just don't connect two cords and...
1: <laughs> yeah, like, pretty fucking easy. Like, I'm pretty sure I could build a bomb that wouldn't go off.
0: Yeah. This empty bottle, that could be a bomb. <laughs> it's not going to go off. Exactly. And then he says the third bomb was a suicide attempt, which, why kill the other people? I like how they said, why did you
1: attempt like why did you kill the two people
0: if you were planning on committing suicide and also you know how to build these bombs and yet you didn't build one that would actually be successful in In killing killing you you. yeah so clearly the third bomb was for somebody else Uh, Brent Ashworth says he believed he was the intended target because he was supposed to meet with Mark that day I don't remember how he related to all of this Maybe he was just another buyer. I don't know.
1: I, I feel like they were just, he was just trying to, like, make it look like anyone that was associated
0: in any yeah. way. Like, just to throw everyone like, he off. he fucked up and the bomb just went off while he yeah. was, I don't know. I mean, the man lost some fingers. So, yeah, there's so many people who were scammed throughout this, it's hard to keep up with all of them. And this guy is only alive because his wife didn't want him to go. Like, you buy that woman whatever she wants forever. Seriously. Like, she fucking, like, she rules you. Yeah. <laughs> And then we hear this idiot was approaching other men, inmates, um, putting a hit out on the parole board members, and your future second husband, George Throckmorton, that bastard, fucking monster. How dare he? Like I'm going to have beautiful children with this man. He just celebrated, I think, like his 45th wedding anniversary or something. I'm gonna. It was have, on Twitter. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna have beautiful children with this man's
0: son. <laughs> Or grandson, depending on who's not married. But yeah, he might have been a little mad. Parole board recommended he never be released, and Dory files for divorce. (laughs) Fucking as she should. Yeah. He was also excommunicated by the church, but I don't think that bothered him. And neither did killing anyone, because according to him, I don't feel anything for them. My philosophy is that they're dead. They're not suffering. I think life is basically worthless. They could have died just as easily in a car accident. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in an afterlife. They don't know they're dead.
1: When the person is like, "Do you feel guilt?" and or like, well, "No, what? It wasn't guilt." She was do you like, feel,
0: "Like remorse." Yeah.
1: Do you feel remorse? And then he like paused, and she and she was like, "You know, for, like." And he was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "For your family or for the victims?" And he was like he paused for a really long time yeah. like this man is a fucking monster like he killed two people the second one d- he didn't even care who it killed like yeah. he was literally willing to he kill put
0: it in front of their house he was willing
1: to kill a child yeah he did not care he has no remorse no
0: he also attempts suicide in his cell with pills He survived, but spent 12 hours laying on his right arm and blocked circulation, which caused muscle atrophy, which made his forging hand permanently disabled.
1: Good. Like, he should have died.
0: Yeah. He was originally at Utah State Prison in Draper, but in 2016, he was transferred to Central Utah Correctional Facility in Gunnison. So yeah, he'll die in prison because he shows absolutely no remorse.
1: No, absolutely. And when he was, like, asked if he should spend forever in prison or if he should be like let out at some point and he was like oh i should absolutely be let out at some point (laughs)
0: what world are you living on yeah so this is like the end of it dory tried to move on after he was arrested she was shunned by friends and the church and struggled to care for her kids with little education and no job experience because that's how churches work but she was eventually able to start her own business she calls herself the creation coach and works as a board-certified consulting hypnotist, a Reiki master instructor, and a lymphatic massage therapist. Interesting. Don't know what any of that means. No. It
1: sounds very hippie.
0: But she seemed like a sweet woman, so.
1: No, absolutely.
0: The poor woman. So, that's the end. And as I texted you yesterday, this was a bad one to pick up for this time of the year because of so many packages arriving at our house. Like, I would pause before I would pick up a box. <laughs> and
1: I actually, we watched Jingle all the way the other day, and when he's like pulling out the package and he's like, It's a bomb or
0: whatever and
1: then he's like, nah, it's like not actually a bomb or whatever. He's like, it's just a random package. And then like the other one when he like pulls it out he's like, It's a bomb and then it like turns out to be a bomb and he's That's like, like
0: the unabomber One of the guys was like, What if it's a bomb? And then it exploded. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and he's like, There's a lot of fucked up people in this world. it's like, There are a lot of fucked up people in
0: this world, guys, be safe. So, yeah uh coming up we may just take a week off just for the holidays we'll see
1: yeah,
0: we'll see yeah <laughs> but that is the end from this week Na-na.
1: <laughs> it's it's a masterpiece i'm telling you guys watch it maybe watch it twice hate this guy. laugh a little lot <laughs> enjoy shannon and his voice and his outfits and like the reenactment of him with the uzi just like really get in there That's so
0: we button-up coat thing he has i don't know did he have a pocket watch i don't know it was a lot it was
1: i think there was probably a pocket watch
0: just know it's Ivy baker (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll see you later bye bye thank you for listening to doctomy the opening music is by twisterium for comments or suggestions we can be reached by email at doctomy at gmail.com Find us on Twitter at pod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.